Welcome to the Heart Matters Podcast with your host, Ibn Leon. Join us as we explore the intricacies of spirituality and self-improvement. Gain a fresh perspective on enhancing your spiritual, emotional, and mental well-being through the fusion of spirituality and self-improvement. Enjoy Ibn's engaging conversations with guests from diverse backgrounds. They share unique perspectives on personal growth and holistic health. From spiritual leaders to relationship experts, entrepreneurs to creatives, each episode delivers knowledge and inspiration. Tune in to the Heart Matters podcast for profound conversations and practical advice empowering you to live your best life. Chapter 5 Inspiring Stories Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Heart Matters Podcast. I am your host, relationship coach Lewis Mars. It is my belief that the vessel, meaning the heart, can only pour out that which it contains. Therefore, it is upon us to put that which is good and beneficial into the heart so that we can emanate it out into the world and attract those people and those things that will enhance our lives. We have Mrs. Toy Banks on, an honorary title, the doctor. This is what we call her. And you're going to find out why in a minute. Mrs. Toy Banks is the world's most satisfied wife and is the founder of Satisfied Wife and the creator of the Satisfied Wife Club. Mrs. Banks inspires audience, audiences worldwide and provides practical strategies to help wives and future wives create and maintain satisfying relationships. As Toy puts it, the goal of a wife is to get a yes. The mission of Satisfied Wife is to furnish the wife and future wife with the tools to achieve peak satisfaction in her marriage and family. Toy Banks, Mrs. Toy Banks, the doctor, has been married for over 26 years to her husband, Sean. Toy uses her experiences and wisdom as a wife and mother of four to help women learn how to produce a faith-filled, satisfied life. Satisfied life previously known as Better Wife, Better Life, was birthed out of Toy's ongoing agony and frustration in the early years of her marriage. Toy believed if it wasn't for God's intervention, wisdom and knowledge, her marriage would have ended in divorce long ago. Today, Satisfied Life produces a variety of inspirational, entertaining, and life-changing events, products, and live shows, including Why Should I Stay Married? Satisfied Life Talk Show, the 28-Day Satisfied Life Challenge, and Live Life, Have Fun Girls Night Out. This is excellent to have the doctor on. <laughs> this is Tori Banks. It's on the heart, man. It's, this is unbelievable. I'm going to just let her introduce herself and tell us about her mission and her cause here. Welcome to the Hot Matters, Mrs. Banks. It is a joy to have you on. Just tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, I'm so excited and elated to be on your show. 
you have everybody on the clubhouse calling me doctor. When you left yeah, out of that yeah. room we were on last night, yeah. everybody kept saying doctor. I said, I'm, like, I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone because you had a whole entire room calling me doctor. I said, yeah. so he's renamed me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm Mrs. Troy Banks, the world's most satisfied wife. I think Lewis did a great job with uh, sharing with you um, my bio. I just want to add that it, it, the goal of a wife is to get a yes. And the only kind of wife to be is a satisfied wife. And with the Satisfied Wife Club, we help wives and future wives discover the secret sauce to becoming a satisfied wife. And um, it's been a great trip in doing this because, you know, the first 10 years of my marriage was just pure de, pure de pain and suffering for both my husband and I, because we had no idea what we were doing. And out of that pain and misery, um, God showed me so much uh, about principles and tools that I had no idea about. And when I started to put these principles and tools in place in my marriage, even without my husband's help, you know, one thing I transformed, I changed as a wife. And then through the change that took place in me, there was a transformation that took place in front of my husband. Listen, I say today, Louis, that I did not know that marriage could be this good, even when it's bad, it's good. And what I mean by that is not is not to say that we don't have troubles that come our way. But there was a time in our marriage, um, I, I guess the best picture I can give you is that, you know, if you're riding down the street and you don't know that there's a ditch ahead of you, right? You can fall, your car falls into that ditch, right? And usually when you fall into a ditch, you can't pull yourself out. You have to get others. You got to call on a tow truck. It's going to be painful. It's going to be suffering there. It's going to be a financial thing, whatever. That's like marriage. When you're in a marriage and you do not have the tools, you do not have the principles, you don't know how to um, create solutions and answers to the problem that you're faced. It's like you're falling into a ditch. And now you have to, you're in an emergency situation. You have to reach out to others to come and help you. And it could be painful and uh, it could be expensive and all that. But when you discover these principles and tools on how to create and maintain a satisfied marriage, now you're on this road. And when trouble comes, it's like you hit a speed bump, which is different from a ditch. Because when you hit a speed bump, what do we all do when we reach a speed bump? We slow down, we go over it slowly and carefully, and then we keep it moving. So yes, my husband and I, we still have things that come our way, but it's like a speed bump is no longer a ditch. And that's why I say, even when it's bad, it's still good because we understand the principles and the tools. We have it in our tool case on how to resolve this issue. So we stop, have the conversation, come to a resolve, and then we get back on this road because the ultimate goal is the one is to stay true to the vows that we committed to when we were married. So listen, everybody's in for all the good times, Lord. They in for the good times, you know. That's the only thing we hear. As a matter of fact, it's the first word for the good times and the bad times. We should have said the bad times and the good times because people hear good times, right? And so everybody's got their hand up and they're excited at the wedding, right? But the truth of the matter is when your spouse is coming down that aisle, you are facing trouble right now. Trouble that you have no idea about, right? And it's not if you're going to have trouble, it's when and how often. And it depends on what you have in your toolcase. If you even have a toolkit, 
it's going to determine if you're going to be successful. And as you know, the divorce rate is weighing at 50%, which some say I think is higher. Um, and so that lets us know that most people are not fit with the tools and they don't know how to operate successfully in a marriage. And so that's why we're here. Okay. All right. So let's, let's chop this up one piece at a time here. First of mm -hmm. all, you mentioned the secret sauce. Tell us, tell us about this sauce. What do you have in this pot, you know what I'm saying, that will help the wives and future wives, you know, to, uh, to understand this matter a little better? Well, I'm going to give you just, it's just so much that we can cover, but I'm just going to hit at a couple things that every wife, every husband, every marriage must have in order to have this great sauce in this marriage. And everyone has to have this throughout the entire marriage. One. You have to be knowledgeable. Ignorance is killing marriages all over the place, right? You get married and people stop. They don't continue to learn. It's one of the areas in our lives that we're not educated on on a regular basis, right? So, you know, my kids, uh, my boys, I share this story all the time. My, my boys, we have four boys, my husband and I, 22, 21, 20, and 17. And my 17-year-old, just like all my other boys, went to driver school. And it's costing $400 just for the first class. Then he has to take another series. It's going to cost him another $50. He has to get a book. He has to study. He has to take a test. He has to go in and out to the classroom, right? Then they, they, they even have added something, which I had never heard until my son now is going. They, it call, it's called observation. So my son has to sit in the car several times and watch somebody else drive. He's just sitting there watching. Then he has to have drive time with the, with the, um, with the uh, teacher, right? And then he takes a test. If he passed the test, you know, he can go to the next level. He can go to the next phase. Then he goes to the secretary of state. You take another driver's test. And then if you pass, you get a license. However, if you are wanting to get married right now. You go down to your city clerk office, you and your future spouse, they're gonna hand you a paper. You're gonna give them 20 or $25. You're gonna sign the paper and leave out there. No tests, no exams, no books, no nothing. And this is exactly why marriages are falling apart because there is no wisdom, no knowledge, no information on how to create and maintain satisfaction and success in a marriage. So that's the number one thing. So when you gain knowledge, and that's what we do on the Satisfied Wife Club, we equip the wives with wisdom and knowledge on how to create and maintain. And one of the things you have to do is you have to grow in the knowledge. Number two, you must understand that marriage is a selfless institution. The problem with that is most humans, humans naturally come out the womb selfish. Have you ever seen a two-year-old, you know, grab their toy from another kid? It's mine. It's mine. They didn't buy it. They didn't go to the store to get it. We're selfish, right? And so a marriage cannot survive on selfishness. You have to be selfless. The only way to create selflessness is having the, uh, building a character and a habit of serving your spouse over yourself. I know that's going to get people. I know that's going to rattle a lot of people because what, what we're being taught, especially as women, is 
Think about this, Lewis. When you go to, a, when women go to a class at their church or women's group that's talking about relationships, they're taught how to create a list of what they want that man to have, be, do, right? But I have yet to see or uh, attend a class where you ask the woman to say, hey, what do you bring to the table? What do you have to offer? Do you know how to serve them? Do you understand that man's needs? Do you know what you're signing up for? We don't have those conversations, Lewis. And what it does is now we are entering into a marriage. And listen, same thing with men, right? Man, man, she got to have this. She got to have this. She got to do this, right? But no one is teaching them that, listen, hey, hey this is a selfless institution. And we want to know what you have to offer the person that's coming in. Because if I'm focused on my husband's needs and he's focused on mine's, when they're, well, there's no problems. The, the only problem that you'll ever have in a marriage is a need problem. You don't meet mine's and I don't meet yours. The problem with that is many people don't know their own needs and they don't know the needs of their future spouse. That is a problem and it creates selfishness. But you can kill that. If you're watching, if you're listening to this right now and you're married, I want you to begin to think about how can I serve my spouse? Like I know my husband. My husband loves his back to be rubbed. He absolutely enjoys his feet to be rubbed. I know that's a need of his. My husband loves to be served his food. He loves good cooking. I'm a cook. I love to cook. So I not only cook, I serve my husband his meals, right? My husband has his own business. He needs a wife that's going to encourage him, inspire him, because businesses, as you know, when you're an entrepreneur, there's uptime, there's, there's times that everything is good. There's times that there's challenge. He needs a wife to say, babe, I got you. You know, you, you're doing good. You're great. You're amazing. We're going to go through this, but we're going to get through, babe. He needs someone to champion in his corner. I know my husband needs that. And I have signed on a dotted line that I want to be that for my husband. I want to be an encouragement for him. I want to be a support system for him. I want to make sure that every time he comes home, it's a great experience when he enters his house. Because many people are pulling up in their driveways, sitting in their car, cars, dreading to even enter the house because they're just not getting along. Because they stop, and not even stop, but they don't know how to serve the other person. And listen, some people, some people are going to say this, Lewis. Well, he don't serve me or she don't serve me. I felt the same way. First 10 years of my marriage, when, when God began to teach me this, it was the first thing I said, he don't serve me. God said... I called you to love the unlovable. So I'm expecting you to be first on the list to do what I told you to do. Don't look at him. I'm telling you to do, to serve, to honor, respect, to encourage, to uplift your husband. Are you going to do it in spite of him? Because see, God says this, Let's watch how God loves us. He says, I loved you yet while you were sinners. God said, I didn't wait for you to come to me. The way I got you is because I loved you. So if you want to attract your spouse back to you, you have to do the opposite of what's taking place in the marriage. And that is, you if, if there's anger, frustration, aggravation, if they're not serving you, guess what? You need to offer peace. You need to offer encouragement. You need to offer joy. You need to serve. If you want to get rid of something, the opposite of itself has to show up on the scene. So if there's hatred there, love has to enter. If there's unforgiveness there, forgiveness has to enter. 
And that comes through you understanding I'm here to serve. I'm here in my marriage to serve my husband so that he can be the best that God called him to be. That's what I'm here. And serving is something that it needs a whole class on serving, what it looks like. How often should you do it? We should be learning how to serve and even asking our spouse, how do you like me to serve? Because everyone is different. Everyone is this one. That's why we have the love languages and things of that sort. That's why we have classes where uh, I don't know if you ever seen the colors, um, true colors, where they teach you how about how you're wired. You might be orange, blue, green. We're all wired differently. Right. And so we discover that so that we can learn how to serve one another. The other thing that um, that marriage requires, it requires you taking ownership, ownership. In the first 10 years of my marriage, this is the thing that I, I, I don't want to admit this, Lewis. I don't want to admit it. But I did not take ownership. Why? It was easy to blame my husband. It was easy to make him the problem. It was easy to point the finger. So I, if I blame you, I take myself out of the equation, right? So, and that means that I don't even have to resolve it because you're the problem. So you need to stop being the problem. But I never saw myself as the solution and I never saw myself as the problem. And the danger in that is this, if you do not take ownership of your behavior in the marriage, one, we go back to being selfless, but two, you can be making the situation worse. It's almost like when you see a house on fire and you're throwing more gasoline on it. When if you, un if you take ownership, which I've learned how to do, and it took time and it is very challenging to take ownership, especially when you're used to not taking ownership. Because God will, the Holy Spirit will guide you to say, hey, what was that? You see how you just said that? That was nasty. That was mean. That was disrespectful. Why don't you apologize for that? You're a little loud right now. So he will guide you in that moment. There's times I'm in a conversation, um, a very challenging conversation with my husband. And I know that I know his needs. So I know that there's a certain way I have to say certain things in order for his ear to receive it and accept it and move into change. So I am depending on the Holy Spirit at times because sometimes my emotions as women, our emotions get in the way. And I have decided I am learning intentionally how to not let my emotions rule my movement. And so I have to stop. So while my husband is talking, I am internally talking to the Holy Spirit, like, Lord, tell me what to say. How do I handle this? How do I say this without offending him? How do I say this respectfully? I am depending on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm taking ownership of how I'm about to deliver this message to my husband. I want to make sure that by the end of this conversation, we walk out in peace. And if I want that to be the goal, then I have to take ownership of like, listen, I could be the answer I want to see in my marriage. I can be the solution. I can be the change that I want to see in my marriage just by taking ownership. I believe that if you do these things, that you can begin to create a dynamic marriage. It will change you. It will change your spouse and other people will begin to look up in your marriage. That's a part of being, that secret sauce thing, Lewis, right there. Yeah, that's where it starts. It's the hard stuff that we don't want to do, but it's necessary to create satisfaction and success in your marriage. Okay. All right. All right. So let's go to this 49%. Because this is this is when you, you know, you came in the room, 
you know, we had this on the Heart Matters Club in the room where we were uh-huh. talking about the 49% divorce rate. And then you right. came in there and said that it was higher. And then Absolutely. You, and then you explained how it's higher than 49%. Could you get give us a little bit of what you gave us in the room about the divorce rate? Well, if you Google it right now, you'll see any range between 40 and 50 percent, depending on the statistic, will tell you where the divorce rates are. And they fluctuate throughout the year, as we all know that during COVID, those numbers got worse. But I believe there's three numbers that are not inside those numbers. Okay, and we need to add them to those numbers. Um, The first one is there are people who were in a marriage, lived in the same house, walked down the aisle, right? <laughs> Said I do, bought a house, lived together. And then one day decided, I don't like you anymore. They separated. Now they're in two different houses and they're living separate lives. However, they never got a divorce, never signed those papers. They now are living on their own in new relationships. Some of them even have children. There are thousands of those people out there and they are not, their numbers are not a part of the divorce rate. However, they are divorced. That's not a marriage. They're not even living with one another. And the ones that don't have children barely even talk to one another anymore. The only reason why the ones that talk is because they have children. So they have to communicate with each other. So, and the reasons, and every, there's a lot of variety of reasons why people don't get a divorce. It's financial, they're being lazy. It's all different types of reasons. And sometimes people money, um, depending on the amount of years that they've been together, uh, the money is tied up. So there's different reasons why people stay in situations like this and don't actually file the papers. Secondly, the second group of people that are not in there are the people, and these numbers are rising, those especially because of COVID. And that, are, that is those that are, they're in the same house. They're not separated. They're in the same house, but they're sleeping in separate rooms. They have unresolved issues in the marriage and, they, and they're full of pride. They won't go get coaching. They have just given up. They have a sexless marriage. They are divided in, in thought and idea that they can't even come together. So they've decided to sleep in separate rooms, but still coexist in the house and some of their reasons is, oh, we want to keep the children together. We want to be in the house with it. We don't want to break up our family. But really, you've already broken up the family. Because sexual intimacy is what makes us one. But you both have decided, I'm going to abandon my position as husband and wife. That's called abandonment. When you are not serving your spouse, when you are not honoring them, when you're not being intimate with them, when you're not um, loving them, the way they deserve to be loved, when you're not committed to those vows, you have abandoned your position as wife. You have abandoned your position as husband. I had a, um, a man call me um, uh, to get coaching. And he said, my wife, after they got out of church now, mind you, she was dancing and praising up on the front row, praising the Lord, speaking in tongues. Lord, she was doing all of that. But when they got home, she looked at him and said, let me tell you something right now. I'm not going to submit to you. I ain't doing nothing you say, and I'm not having sex with you, and you bet not touch me. And went to her own room and then turned around and told him. And as soon as I get myself on my foot, on my feet, because she had, she was, her money was a little tight because he had been taking care of her. She said, as soon as I get on my feet, I'm leaving you. It's called abandonment. 
They're in the same house. He said, I, I sometimes drive around to one o'clock in the morning just so that I don't have to talk to her so that she will be asleep when I get home. That marriage is gone. They've abandoned. She, she basically told him he was fighting though. He was going to get coaching himself. He was trying to love on her. He was trying, he was doing, I saw this man working hard saying, I love my wife in tears, but I don't know what to do. And I'm reaching out and I'm begging her to go to get coaching, but she refused. And she said, I reject you. She's abandoned the marriage. They are married. There are married couples out there where one person is fighting and the other one's doing nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. Now, I'm not saying that marriages like that can't survive because I've seen it in my marriage. Well, I was doing the fighting. I was doing the changing and the work God was doing in me. But through that, because the Bible says, um, how do you know, husband or wife, that you won't transform or save your spouse? That means that you will be influenced to draw them to Christ. And no one wants to go through that because they don't because that's hard to do, to be selfless, to take ownership. To be the bigger person is hard to do, and most people don't do it, but you have to have God to do it. I don't know how people do in marriage or life without him, because I, I told my husband a long time ago, if I leave God, you need to leave me. I will destroy you. Because humans are just, you know, in the core of them, they're selfish, they're mean, they're evil, they're, you know, disrespectful. That's how we are. We need God to bring us balance. And so those people are not in those numbers. The uh, the third group of people that are not in the numbers are people, they are most likely uh, believers. They, they are, they're in some type of faith, either they're Christians, Jehovah Witness, Muslim, you name them, right? They're usually people of faith. They believe in some type of power, higher power. Um, they believe in God, right? So in order to save faith, because people fake when they're in, you know, uh, under God, going to church, part of these religious groups, you know, and so they to save face and not to show that we're our marriage is falling apart. They do go into the same house and in front of their kids, they do go into the same room. However, they are sitting on the edge, they are laying on the edge of that king size bed and they never touch and they have a sexless marriage, marriage and they are just going through the motions. They're just going through the motions. They're not committed to one another. They barely talk. They only talk when they need to communicate with the kids or about the bills. But they, they just stopped. They just gave up. But they don't want their family to fall apart. And many of them don't want to break up all the savings they've built over the years. So they're just hoping that something will change. But it never does because they don't. They refuse to go get the knowledge, the information, the help that they need in order to restore marriage. Those three types of people are not in the divorce rate. And if they were, I believe the divorce rate will be somewhere between 60 to 70 percent. That's how bad it is, because we are uneducated. We are selfish. We won't take ownership. And as a result, we become so self selfish that we are no good. And through that selfishness, pride rises up. And we all know where there's pride, the fall is coming. The fall is coming. All the time. So every time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Okay. All right. So you mentioned that you was in the room, uh, one of the club rooms, and you know, there was these women in here, you know, they was cutting up and you know, cussing and carrying on, and you know, you had to get on the stage. <laughs> You had to get on the stage and, you know, 
you know, make your round and make your rounds, you know, mm -hmm. and then you got some pushback, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just, just tell us what what was the exchange? What happened here? Well, I was invited in the room. People know what I speak on. So they invite me up on stages. They, they love for me to really come into rooms where women are really acting up. It's this narrative that is really, um, I think is very toxic and is very dangerous. One, we have African-American women who are speaking against African-American men, right? Um, and then we have just the opposite, African-American men dogging African-American women. We have people out here that uh, think that um, if they find a so-called high value person and high value meaning money, wealth, houses, uh, cars and all that stuff, that they're gonna be better off. They are so clueless with that idea. So you got a lot of um, ignorance and foolish talk going on in places like Clubhouse rooms uh, because people are uneducated about what it takes to have a successful marriage. So I was in this room and this lady, I forgot the exact title, but the basics of the room was we're done with American men, done with African-American men. There was a lot of African-American women in this room. There were some other nationalities as well. And um, we are going over to other countries to get us more high value men, right? So I came on and I shared them with them that, you know, I'm a wife coach. And what I have seen is, is it's not um, money, is not uh, the lack of resources that is causing marriages to fall apart. It is ignorance. If you go and look, look at the statistics, it is showing that 40%, 46% of all divorces is because they are incompatible. 22% is finances. But the bigger one is I'm not compatible with you, which really means that I'm not getting along with you. I don't know how to resolve a problem. I don't know how to become one with you. And so because I don't know how to communicate, because I don't understand your needs, because I don't understand how to create a successful marriage, I'm frustrated with you. And so I pull back and I'm no longer compatible with you. And so now I fail out of love which is impossible to do when you are operating in the agape love. It's easy to do that when you're operating in the worldly types of love. But if you are operating in the agape love, you can't fall out of love. It's not possible with the agape love because the agape love never fails. It never gives up. It doesn't hold on to past wrongs. It's always hope always pushing through, always resolving issues, always finding ways to love. So the agape love is not in these rooms. They're talking about a worldly love that will not stand the test of time because the only type of love that a marriage can sustain is the agape love. And that love only comes from God. And so these women were in there talking about this and I was sharing with them, hey, this is, this is not it. This is, I don't care if you go to, to, um, uh, Europe, you go to South Africa, if you go to Japan, I don't care where you go, you're going to find another human with the same issue that you have. They may speak another language, grew up eating different types of food that you did, but listen, the same needs that you have, the same needs that the men here have, they have the same needs. 
The same thing it takes to create a successful marriage over in Europe is the same, same core needs that is necessary in order to create success in a marriage here. And so there was an older woman who, um, you know, the room got, the room came silent, right? There was a silence in the room and everybody's like, oh my goodness, that was good. That was good. Right. And so it was an older woman who said, yeah, uh, yeah, that was good. But I did all of that. Now, what she meant by I did all of that is I was talking about, you know, serving your spouse, uh, supplying their needs. I was naming several things that you you need to do in a marriage. And I said, it's interesting. Um, I said, you know, I've met a lot of women that sit across me in my coaching sessions who said they did it all. They did it all. And they've been praying and praying and God has an answer. And I said, and then I begin to ask them questions. I ask them things like, what do you think about submission? They don't agree with submission. Do you respect your husband as a head of the household? They fall short on that. Have you ever cussed your husband out or do you do that regularly? Are you guys intimate? Do you serve your spouse? What are your spouse's needs? Do you listen? Do you, you know, uh, do you talk to your spouse and find out what can I do to serve you better? Listen, it's so many questions I ask them and it's no, 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 no. So I don't care if you're praying for five hours a day. If you're not getting up and doing the work, you just wasted five hours. Because if you're going to do this thing God's way, you just can't pray to him and expect him to come down and serve your spouse. That's not his job. Your job is to go to God and ask him, Lord, help me as I connect with you. Show me how to serve and be a better wife or husband to my spouse so that I may honor you in my marriage. Then the Holy Spirit is going to start telling you to respect them, to honor them, to praise them, all the things you don't want to do because it's going to look like they don't deserve it. And you're right, they probably don't. But love, does not go on this scale or do you deserve it or not? Love just continues to love. And so when I said that to her, I think she took offense. And I said, listen, I'm not talking about you. I'm saying that there's a lot of people that think they are doing everything, but they're doing a lot of everything wrong opposed to a lot of everything right. And you're going to do that if you are, you are totally misinformed about how this marriage thing works. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's a selfless institution. And she made this statement, and I, it's one of the biggest lies that Christians say, and especially women. She said, well, listen, um, God, I know God don't want me unhappy. That's, he never said it. God never said, I don't want you unhappy. As a matter of fact, he said this. In this life, you're going to have trouble. But stick with me because I've overcome them all. <laughs> he said, in marriage, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, with marriage comes trouble. Trouble does not seem happy. That sounds like pain, frustration. As a matter of fact, if you look at the fruit, the nine fruits of the spirit, guess what one of them say? Long suffering. First of all, suffering is already bad. Then you put the word long on it. God is saying, 
sometimes you're going to be in a situation you're going to have to suffer long. So don't tell me that God doesn't want you happy. No, God wants you to grow. And in order for you to grow, you have to go through some fire in order to be strengthened. So if there's no adultery, if there's no abuse, if there's no abandonment, then God would not tell you to leave a marriage. He's not going to go against his word. So don't tell me that God released you from this marriage and there was no adultery, no abuse, no abandonment. Because God wouldn't tell you to leave all because we don't get alone anymore. He's not serving me the way I think he should. God doesn't tell you to leave situations like that. God tells you to serve. God tells you to love. God tells you to press through. God tells you to be the bigger person, but he doesn't tell you to leave in situations like that. Mm. So that's mm. it's a tough call. It's a challenge, Lewis. It's a tough call. This, this marriage thing is not for the weak at heart. You know, you have to grab on a strength that's much stronger than you. I don't know how, again, I don't know how anybody do this without God. I can't do it without. And that's why I was failing in the first 10 years of my 26 years of marriage. But I'm, I'm telling you, I, when you begin to develop these principles and tools, you, you can't believe how great it can be, how amazing. It's like, you know, my husband and I just last night had to have a tough conversation. But you know how to end it, Lewis? Lovemaking. That's how we close that out. Because we decided long time ago that if we have a problem, we have, if we got to sit at the table or sit in, last night we were in our bedroom and we're not going to sleep until it resolves. We're committed to that, that I, we're not going to sleep. We're not going to end this conversation until we come to a place of peace. Now, we looked at the clock. We couldn't even believe it. It was like almost two o'clock in the morning when he had finished having the conversation. And at this point, we're laughing and joking and everything. And then we had a great time. We closed the night out with a bang. OK, and now everything's good. We had to slow down and go over that speed bump last night. And now we're on our way back on the road, on the smooth road. Because that's, I love that's, it. That's, that's I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, because I mentioned to, uh, I mentioned to Kelly, like when we first got together, you mm -hmm. know, I have this thing, you know, so I have this thing that I, I told her, I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, we're going to put one card on the table at a time. Mm -hmm. this is what I call it you know so we take these cards and we put them on a table one at a time and we just go we go through it you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying if we you know neither one we don't curse at each other we don't call each other names we won't do yeah. any of that but sometimes it, get, it gets tough you know what I'm saying? Yeah. because you know that's the way these things are you know what I'm saying they're not going to always be easy but we have to resolve it if we're mm -hmm. going to move forward in order right. for us to keep going we got we to gotta deal with this issue here. And that's the way yeah. we do it, man. And it, it is so great. You know what I'm saying? And it, it, mm -hmm. you know, it, just, it, just made, it just made me love her faster. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because she just, she just, she grabbed on to the concept and she, she loves it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you know, so she'll come and we'll, and we'll just put a card on it and we just start talking about it. And sometimes it gets, it gets a little tough. You know what I'm saying? Tough. It gets tough. <laughs> But we just we just work through it, and it is such a beautiful process. So I I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and we just yeah, like, and, and, at the end we just be smiling. <laughs> yeah, <laughing>. yeah. It's <laughs> something. It's something that you had just said that you said that you know we don't cuss at each other. I think that the, another thing that couples need to do is that they need to put 
they need to predetermine this before the trouble comes, before the problem happens, even before they get married. They need to put boundaries up on how they communicate and things that they refuse to do. One, we will never call each other out our names. Yeah. yeah. I will never cut at you. Not just not, not call you out your name. I'm not going to cuss at you, which means I'm not going to disrespect you. Because I'm going to tell you something. The one thing I cannot manage well, and this is what you talk about something that was huge for me, that I, I, I lose it. I turn into the incredible hawk on you. I don't do disrespect. You don't talk to me like I'm a fool. You don't call. And mind you, my husband has never um, uh, called me out my name. We've never cussed at each other. And I've been with him, listen, 26 years married, four years together before that. And never, I, I would tell you, say one time, the first year we were dating, I said the word dang. And we stopped. He pulled over the car. We was like, it was big stuff. <laughs> because we, we don't do that. It was like, and I, I was shocked that I even said it. I'm like, and I was like, I am so sorry. I had really, I was so upset and angry that I lost control in that moment. And I couldn't believe I said that because that's not in me to do that. And so I think my mother rose up in me. <laughs> my mother can cuss you out all types of backwards. Yeah. But that's boundary. Another boundary is that you, you don't use revenge tactics to get back at your spouse because they disappointed you. I don't care what it is. Don't because revenge doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just makes it's again throwing gasoline on this on, on a fire. It, it makes it worse. Another thing we don't do, we don't spread our business out in these streets. You don't go and, and blast your spouse on social media, and you don't go to family members who don't love and respect both you and your spouse. Mm. You don't go telling them your business either. Because if I go to someone that don't like my husband. Their, their, their advice is going to be biased, yeah. right? It's not going to be fair because they have a hatred or uh, 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 they have this, this pain in their hearts against him. So they're not going to be fair. You know, you've heard um, uh, women and families say, girl, I would have I cussed him out. Well, I would have did this. Oh, you need to leave him. These are people that do not have your best interests in hand. So you can't go to these people. You do need people that are close that you say, this is my friend who I can trust with my life. Because sometimes you need to vent. You do. You need somewhere to go and let it out. Right. So you don't go off on your spouse. I've even trained myself that I don't talk until I can talk respectfully. If I'm too emotional, I'm not talking because I know that I'm going to lose it. I, I'm, I know that I'm not good in those types of environments. I know myself. You got to know yourself. So I, I only go to people who love my marriage you know, I go to people that once I finish ranting, they say, okay, you done? Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Then they pray and they say, hey, Tori, come on. So what is God telling you to do in this moment? How can you resolve this? You know Sean loves you. You know this. Listen, we're not going to let this enemy come in and destroy this marriage. Tori, you're an anchor for other marriages. This is not about to happen. Not on my watch. Those are the type of people you need around you that's going to gird you up, that you can put an APB out and say, we need prayer now. Mm. I have friends who are praying for me, especially when you're someone like us who we teach on marriage. Your marriage is a target. It's, a, it's an automatic target. When you coach on, there was an institution here um, that was uh, helping people build their marriages, a Christian institution that was building marriages and all of that. The whole thing collapsed because the people that started got a divorce. When you are trying to help other marriages 
and encourage me and my husband had this conversation last night. You have to open your eyes and keep watch. The Bible said, keep watch, be vigilant, because your adversary is looking to see who he can devour. And he can go through your husband. He can go through you. And you and then he's subtle because he, he's great at camouflage. And you think it's just them or you think it's just you, you know, and it's him coming in the background, putting thoughts in your head. Even before my husband and I had the conversation uh, last night, I was just in the house and I was mad about what we were about to talk about. And I had a thought that, listen, I ain't trying to ever divorce my husband. I ain't going nowhere. He ain't going nowhere. We this you we too far in. Okay, it's too much investment here. <laughs> we don't we don't do everything we can to keep this thing going and and not just existing, but having it be a great marriage. And I heard a thought. This is why you got to understand that there's three voices in your head. There's yours, there's the enemies, and then there's God. And I heard a voice was like, man, he he a little frustrated. You need to divorce him. I'm telling you, Lewis. Clear's day the other day. And instantly I said, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, for it is written, what God put together, let no man put us under. See, and that's what you got to have. You better, you yourself, not just your spouse, you better fight because sometimes you can be coming, coming against a marriage because of the thoughts that's going on in your head. Before you even say anything, you think it, and you better know where that thought is coming from. Mm -hmm. So God even tells us this. He said, think on these things. Those things that are pure, those things that are holy, those things that are praiseworthy. There have been times, especially in the early 10 years of my marriage, I would be cleaning dishes, mad at my husband, going off in my head. I mean, I'm saying cuss words in my head, Lewis. If I come on, if we could just tell the truth, we like this, and he gonna win, and he gonna walk in here, and ain't gonna say, and, I mean, just going at it, and I didn't know how to fight. I thought it was me. But the enemy was sitting there like with Eve. Girl, you need to touch that tree. No, I don't supposed to touch that tree. See, the first time you hear, you're like, that's crazy, right? You're like, it's like she was like, that's crazy. But then she sat there, kept talking with him, kept talking with him. And just a few scriptures down, she changed her mind. It doesn't take a long time for the enemy to change your mind about your spouse. You could be deep in love. Everything could be fine in your marriage. Then all of a sudden, boom, you're under attack. It's happened several times in my marriage. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? A man who I was just making love to the other week, just having a great time. We went on a vacation here, but now I can't stand your guts. Hmm. That's the trouble that you're going to face. But you're not going to get through that trouble if you think it's them. No, it's an attack. And sometimes the attack is happening within you. Hmm. Sometimes something is in your ear and you don't know how to cast it out. Watch what Jesus did. When he was tried, watch it. Now, he was tried before he went into ministry. He had to be tested to see he, if, he even, if he was even worthy of the work that he was called to do. After 40 days of fasting, he's hungry. So he goes into the, the Holy Spirit, not the devil. It said the Holy Spirit led him to this temptation. So this was God-ordained temptation. Okay, so he goes in his desert, and what did the enemy say? He's in his head. He says, uh, take this bread. <laughs> take this bread. He said, uh-uh. He didn't just say, Satan, I rebuke you. He said, Satan, I rebuke you. When you rebuke something, you said, I reject that thought. 
I don't accept it. But then you can't stop there. That's not enough. You then have to put the opposite, the truth on top of what he said in order to get rid of it. And that's where Christians fail. We just say, Satan, I rebuke you. Get on out my face. He doesn't hear you. The Bible says demons only bow to the word of God. That's the only thing they bow to. Not your word, but the word of God. So watch what he did. He says, Satan, I rebuke you for it is written. Thou man shall not eat of bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of my, he was ready for battle. And every, he, was, he was tempted three times in that moment. And watch what happened. At the end of that temptation, the enemy left for a season. This is why the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and then he'll flee from you. So when you submit to God's authority, submit to God's way of acting, submit to God's way of responding to every situation, in your, you have made God's word the final authority. That's the first thing you have to do. With that, then you're able to resist the devil because now you have the word of God to fight and now the enemy gets wore out and then he flees. That's how you win. Mm. If you don't have that word of God in you, you're not going to do well in marriage. Mm. Not in this thing. <laughs> All right, Doc. So let's talk, let's talk about how you started this, uh, this journey here, this satisfied, satisfied wife club. How did you start all this here? How did you bring all this together? Well, actually, um, when I remember I was, uh, I had before, uh, it was Better Wife, Better Life, and then it was Satisfied Wife. But before Better Wife, Better Life, I was, uh, I'm a speaker. Um, I love speaking. Um, and I was, I had a project called Confident, Beautiful, and Bold, and I was helping women build their confidence and self-esteem. I knew I was born for the stage. I knew I was a speaker. I just knew that, okay? Um, and I knew there was uh, a couple dreams that I had when I was a little girl that followed me all the way through my life. One, I had visions that I would be flying around the world, standing in front of huge stages, in front of thousands of people. And I saw myself in boardrooms, you know, teaching people in, 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 in a boardroom or something. I used, I mean, all my life since I was a little girl. The other vision that I had was I knew I wanted to be a great wife. I, I just knew it. I, went, I had a desire, like I would watch Leave It to Beaver and I would look at Joan Cleaver like, man, that Joan Cleaver, she's sharp. She was all dressed cute, like she was serving the food. I'm like, ooh, that's cute. Then when I was watching uh, the Cosby show and I'm like, ooh, she not only is a wife, she's smart. She got it going on. She's beautiful. I'm like, I, I craved and desired to be a wife. I want, I, I had dreams of serving my husband, rubbing his back, feeding him, you know, give him his food. And I, I just, it's a little goofy, right? So I didn't know that those two thoughts, visions were going to merge, that I will be talking about satisfied wife on stages around the world. I, I had no idea. And it was one day my girlfriend and I was at my home and um, I had been teaching all of my girlfriends about marriage. I didn't even realize it. it was just something I naturally did. And I was complaining because there were a lot of divorces taking place in our church at the time. It was like a mass exodus, right? Like a lot of people were getting divorces and I was just so angry. And I was like, man, you know, the church is not doing enough of this. And this is why I did it. And my girlfriend looked at me and she said, you know, because people always say the pastors are not doing enough. She said, the pastors are doing enough. They're doing their job. It's the people in the pew that won't get up. She said, like you. She said, Toy, look, look what you're doing for us. All of us, you're teaching us how to be married. She said, and what you do for your husband is not normal. 
That he spoiled. She would look at my husband and be like, "You know this is not normal. See, you, you, you just spoiled. It's like you, you." When she, when her and I become friends, we've been like friends for like fifteen years now. She was like, "You actually serve him his plate." I thought it was normal stuff that I was doing. I thought it was normal. She was like, "Toy, this mess ain't normal." And then other people started telling my husband, like, "You know that's not normal, right?" <laughs> you know. So I started teaching uh, women how to do what I was doing just naturally. And so my girlfriend said, yeah, you need to start teaching it. Don't wait on the pastors. Won't you do it? God has given you this gift. And I said, yeah, I'll call it something like Better Wife, Better Life. And my girlfriend is in the marketing. She hurried up and went to GoDaddy and bought the domain. And that's where it began. And it came out of 10 years. My first 10 years of marriage was purely painful. I almost divorced my husband 20 or 30 times. He almost probably divorced me 40 or 50. <laughs> and on top of that, we have five children in four years. We have four children in five years and going through raising children, working, trying to figure out this marriage thing. And not only that, my husband and I, we were new believers when we came, when we got, uh, when we, uh, right before we got married, we had just got saved. So we were trying to learn a lot in a small amount of time that we weren't doing well. And I had divorced my husband mentally like several times. <laughs> you know, a woman can check out and you not even know. I mean, she's, she can clean the house, cook your dinner, serve your meal, and even have sex with you, but she's gone mentally. And I was that. I was that often. And so um, when I finally got really bad, I was so stressed out and overwhelmed that um, I became, I didn't realize I was depressed, but I was, and it was straining on my body. And one morning, um, I became paralyzed from neck down, and I couldn't move, and I had to be rushed to the hospital. They couldn't find nothing because you can't find stress on the x-ray. I followed up with my doctor and my doctor told me, you're a young 31-year-old woman. You're only stressed out. And I said, well, I'll just take a vacation. He said, you can take a vacation all you want. But when you get back, that stress is going to take you out of here. He said, it just gave you a warning and it gave you a big warning. He said, next time you might not get a second chance. I took two months off of work. I cried out to God many days. And I said, Lord, fix him. <laughs> of course, it's my husband's father. And my Lord said, it's not him. I'm like, well, who is it? Is it his mother? Because it can't be me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, no. First, I'm going to fix you. And through you, he's going to be drawn to me. And God began to take me through this process that I teach now that transformed me, transformed my husband, and has brought me into this life of satisfaction. And I just don't think it's fair that I'm the only one. <laughs> I, I just think that everyone should discover this secret sauce to become a satisfied wife. And that's what I do through the Satisfied Wife Club now. All right, John. You know, we, you know, we got to get out of here because I know. <laughs> yeah, tell the people how they can get in touch with uh, Mrs. Toy Banks, the world's satisfied wife. Tell the people how they can get in touch with you. Well, if you want to know more, you can go to www.satisfywifeclub.com. That's www.satisfywifeclub.com. You can join the club. You, if you're, you need a speaker for a virtual or in-person event, there's information there. I'm, that's my whole website. You can go to either mrstoybanks.com or www.satisfywifeclub.com, and all my information is there. Also, I have YouTube. I just got on TikTok for the first time yesterday. <laughs> so I got about four videos on there. I'm excited about it because I got family and friends who are like, you need to be on TikTok. So I just got on there and uh, 
doing a little bit of something, something. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well, but uh, TikTok is something new for me and learning how to do it. Are you on TikTok? Yeah, I'm on that. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Some- yeah. He said I gotta be on it. You know? Yeah, you got it. You got to. Gotta be I'm on about it. To, um, yeah, I'm gonna start a room on Clubhouse um, uh, soon, uh, once a week. I'm gonna call on you for that. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, I am, sir. So you gonna you gonna start the Satisfied Wife Club on Clubhouse? Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think I'm going to name it Satisfied Wife Club. I think the room is going to be called Satisfied Life. That's the name of my business, Satisfied Life LLC. Because what I don't want to do, because the Satisfied Wife Club is both both for um, married and single women. Right. Before it was exclusively for married women, and the Lord checked me. He said, "Listen, there's a lot of women out there." that were just like you. They entered into marriage without no knowledge. Right. You need to train them as well. So I don't want women to enter into marriage. And so um, if I call it Satisfied Wife, you know, people might think it's exclusively for wives. So I'm going to name it what my business is called, which is Satisfied Life LLC. I'm going to call it Satisfied Life. And then we're going to do different topics in the room and, uh, you know, kill it. I'm, re- I'm excited about it because I'm so tired of the Bad information is being put out here on, on, on relationships. It's driving me crazy. I'm like, yeah, oh my God. It's a lot of yeah. it on Clubhouse. Oh, listen, I heard last night, Louis, I got to tell you this. Last night, there was a question in this room. It was about almost 300 people in this room. And the question was, and mind you, there was a pastor leading this room. Okay. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, the title of, he, his title was Bishop. There's other pastors on the stage, okay? And the question was put out there, and there's some women on the stage. The question was put out there because they were talking about dating, you know, relationships and things of that sort. And they asked the question, would you be willing to defy God to have to find out how good someone is in bed before you get married to them? What do you think people's answers were? was astounded. I mean, I heard somebody say, absolutely. Wow. There was one girl said, no, no way. But there were, there were, there was a woman that says yes and no. There's no yes and no to that answer. There's no yes and no. And you know what her yes and no was? She said that, well, I think that you can try a lot of stuff without having the actual intercourse. That's not biblical. If you listen, if y'all talking about a worldly uh, perspective, okay, you can do whatever you want to because you're not up under God's rule, right? You haven't given your life to Christ. But we're talking about people of faith saying that they will defy God to to see how if someone is good in the bed. That's dangerous, and that's how toxic the information is out there, and they don't realize this. That those 300 people that are listening, God's going to hold them accountable for what they said. That's dangerous. It is dangerous to do that. Mm. I couldn't believe the answers. But that's where we are in this world. God said the day is coming, which we're already living in, that they, what they're going to say was good is bad and what is bad is good. And that's what we're seeing right now. But we have to be the light in the world and tell the truth about this marriage institution so that we can build stronger, more satisfying marriages. That's the goal. All right, Dom. It's good having you on. <laughs> yeah, it's good having you on. We might have 
have to have you back for part two, you know, do a, a sequel yeah. to this thing. But yeah, I appreciate yeah. you coming on, Doc. Yeah, I know you got things to do. I got to go take care of some things, but it was a pleasure having you on, Doc. Yeah, we're going to put this out well, listen. after the uh, the turkey day. After the turkey day. All right. Yeah. yeah. Let them let them get nice and full first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let them get nice. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I doubt well, it. let me know and send me your information for um the podcast and everything. We'll love to uh tune in and everything and also share it on my social media as well. All right, I got you, Doc. Thank you. Thanks for right. coming. Appreciate Thank it. you. All right. See I you. appreciate it. Let's do it again. All, All right. right. God bless. You too. Bye. <laughs> bye bye. That was Mrs. Toy Banks, the world's most satisfied wife. You can get in touch with her by going to mrstoybanks.com or you can go to toy at satisfiedwifeclub.com in order to reach out to the doctor. We call her the doctor. She's not a doctor, but we gave her this honorary title because of the way she she brings it, and uh, it was a pleasure having her on. I really appreciated that. Uh, also, uh, the new book is out. The new book, uh, The Pillars of the Power Couple. Uh, if you want to pick that up, and please pick that up, you can go to the website, lewismarscoaching.com, in the resources section and pick up the pop, the patterns of the power couple. We're talking about everything from how the couple can cultivate their relationship with God to education and cultivation of the family and everything in between. So please pick up the patterns of the power couple on lewismarscoaching.com in the resources section. Also, uh, Kelly and I are open for business for the re relationship rescue plan, premarital coaching, postmarital coaching, We'll even do some pre-dating coaching so that you can ask the right questions and get the right answers that you're looking for for a potential spouse. Uh, also, we have some really big things coming up with the 90-second Pitch to Get Hitch Club, which is on Clubhouse, where we have the club for singles who are looking for marriage or committed relationship. They come on stage, they give a 90-second pitch about themselves to their potential mate who may be in the room. And then they, you know, Carrie and I, who is my co-host, Carrie Brett, she's also the host of the Shot at Love podcast. We direct traffic in this club and in this room. So go over to Clubhouse if you're single and you're looking for marriage and commitment and join that particular club. We have it on Mondays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I thank you guys for all of your support. You can reach out to me please follow me on Instagram at Lewis underscore Morris underscore coaching for daily relationship tips and advice. We're always trying to help the couples and singles navigate the relationship realm with spirituality, love, intimacy, and trust. I thank you guys for all of your support and I will speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Heart Matters Podcast for relationship, spiritual coaching, and resources. Go to the Heart Matters brand link tree, which is linktr.ee slash L-O-U-I-S-M-O-R-R-I-S.
That's linktr.ee slash L-O-U-I-S-M-O-R-R-I-S. And we will see you again soon.